This is Decoding Learning Differences with Kimberlyn Lavelle, and this episode is Benefits to Home Education and Intervention. So this episode is all about why we might want to educate our child at home, either as their primary place of education or as a supplementary place to help them with anything they're really struggling with um, and that they might need some very strategic intervention on, such as a learning disability. Um, Common ones that people are very familiar with are dyslexia uh, and also some have heard of dysgraphia or dyscalculia. In the school setting, you may have gotten a diagnosis like auditory processing disorder or visual processing disorder. So all of these are things that we do want to be very strategic about doing some interventions for and making sure that our kid is getting what they need. And we can definitely do this in the home setting very effectively. And we're going to go through why I think it's actually the best place to get those interventions. So first of all, if you are the one interacting with your child, helping them through something, it can be very relationship building. And we do definitely have to be careful that it's not ever coming from a place of you need to do X, Y, Z. You aren't good at X, Y, Z. Like we don't want them to ever feel like you are not thinking highly of them. And that if they don't do this thing, that their relationship with you would suffer. However, if the two of you come at learning to read, for example, as a problem that you are on their team to conquer. So they've been bought in, they want to learn how to read, and you are there to help them. So you're coming alongside and together you're going to conquer this problem. That's very relationship building, right? You've got, you've got that opportunity to work together on a problem that they're really struggling with and probably feel a bit helpless for. They feel like they don't know what to do or how to how to handle it. They don't know how to get themselves to learn how to read. It's a mystery, right? They've been trying, people keep trying to tell them. They know it's important, but is it really? Maybe I should just give up, right? They, they can feel really, um, have a hard time with it. So when you come alongside them, that can be very relationship building. And you're engaging with them, you're having fun with them in the process, which is also relationship building, right? I'm always an advocate for have fun while you're learning because that's when you learn the best. So when you come alongside them and you play games with them that they're able to then also conquer this difficulty, but you're playing games and you're laughing, you're building the relationship. The next one is one-on-one, one-to-one instruction. So in a school setting, sometimes there is one-on-one instruction, especially if they're on an IEP and it's written in that they're gonna get one-on-one instruction. And and that's great. <laughs> it can be, it, it can also not be. If they're in a classroom with 30 kids and they're not on an IEP they're not getting any intensive intervention. It's they're gonna. It's got a lot harder for anyone to help them, right? As much as the teacher cares, as much as the teacher might plan things out to do with them, it's hard to give them the level of intervention that they really need. That that one-on-one, just really listening to them, read, see what their struggle is, fine-tune it. Very individualized, right? And that's always what I'm about is 
getting very individualized. What, what is the exact thing that this one child needs? And it's really hard to do in a classroom of 30 kids. And I don't think we can fault the teachers. I think they all have that passion. They want to help the kids. They're trying. But they're stuck with 30 kids. And if your child is struggling, if your child has a learning disability, they hopefully are then on an IEP and they might be getting more instruction. But that, that teacher that's helping them outside of the gen ed class, um, if they're getting like extra help, resource teacher, specialized academic instruction teacher, um, education specialist, whatever label they've put on that person, that person also has about 28, 30 people on their caseload. If you're lucky, they've only got like 20, but there's, that's 20. You imagine having 20 children in your house that you are trying to take care of. They can't give that same level that you can give at home. So that, that really intensive is, is very helpful. Um, you also then know really well how your child is doing and what to, what to tweak a little bit. Now, paired with that is in a school setting, those interventions happen for, if, you, if you're on an IP, you might get 30 minutes a day, 60 minutes a day, two hours a day. But it's usually all at the same time. And it might get broken up, maybe. It depends. Um, I often would break up the time sections, but they usually, you know, it was at least 20 minutes at a time, um, just trying to get the, the minutes in and trying to schedule things and, you know. I always did the best I could to make things interesting and to stay fresh, but it's hard. They're at school for this amount of time. They've got this block is reading and this block is math. And then they have PE and they've got recess and lunch. And there's all these things you can't pull them out of and you're trying to give them extra help. So it's, it's really hard to then also give them what I know is best, which is little snippets of practice and even intensive instruction intervention throughout the day. So first thing in the morning, if I can work on, with, my, with my own child, or you can work with your child on something they're struggling with. Let's go back to learning how to read. Maybe they don't know all of their letters and sounds yet, and today you're like, okay, first thing in the morning, we are gonna practice that A says ah. And now maybe you also are going to instruct them on A says ah, A, and ah. Maybe you're not, you, whatever you're following, right? You've got this, this is what we're doing. So you give them that instruction. A says, ah, what does A say? Ah. Then you make it a fun game all day long and you pull out a letter A and then everyone screams, ah, and you all run around the house, right? Every once in a while you pull out that card ah, and everyone runs away. So now, you're having these fun little practices all day long throughout the day. And then the next day, maybe you go to B, maybe you go to M because it's good to like put the, the ah, mm, and now they've got a word already, right? So maybe next day you're going to do M and go, mm, and you pull up that letter M and everyone goes, mm, and you're practicing. All day, every day. Oh, you're about to eat lunch? Pull out that M. Right? You get, you get what I'm saying? Like little tiny practices all day long. Instead of once a day, 
for 30 minutes, it gets, it gets beyond what your child can benefit from. So I am a huge proponent of tiny little things all sprinkled throughout your day when you really know exactly what your child is working on, that you can do that. Individualize. Like I said, you know what your child is working on. You know exactly what their strengths and weaknesses, struggles are. You can individualize so much. So we're going to go into some ABCs of individualized. A, at your child's level. They are not sitting in a classroom with kids who are reading three grade levels above them, trying to keep up feeling awful about themselves, right? It's at their level. This is what they're reading. Great. You're handing them something that is at their level. You are building on their strengths. They're really good at listening to stories. So you're giving them tons of opportunities to listen to stories, to talk about stories. You're not just spending all the time on those weaknesses. C, challenging appropriately. I... We don't ever want to make our kids feel like this is so hard, I must be dumb because it's easy for everyone else. That's not an appropriate challenge. They're feeling badly about themselves. They feel defeated. Something that's appropriately challenging is it's not easy. It feels difficult. Like, I don't know if I can do this. But when they apply themselves, they can and they succeed and they gain all of that confidence that comes with having accomplished something that felt hard. Now they know they can do that hard thing. That's amazing. So challenging appropriately, that comes from knowing your child really well and individualizing to exactly who they are. You know where they're able to read, you know what the next tiny little challenge would be that they could then accomplish. And then that feels easy. And now they can go a little bit higher and you keep challenging them and they make lots of progress. D, deficits worked on consistently. So, and here it's mostly because I wanted the, the D in there. This is where you're really thinking, okay, my child is struggling to learn how to read, but they love listening to stories and talking about stories. So we're spending a lot of time listening to stories, talking about stories, just enjoying stories because we don't want to lose that love of reading. But then we're also consistently working on that learning how to read skill of A says, ah, M says, mm, right? We're practicing those skills consistently, frequently, little snippets throughout the day and every day or close to it. So you're just consistently, consistently building, 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 challenging appropriately. All of that is just working on it consistently. E engaging your child's interests. So this is really about using what they love, what they are interested in. They absolutely love dinosaurs. Then you're going to use that to help them learn how to read. However you want to do it. The dinosaur is eating the letter. The dinosaur is shouting out the different letter sounds. The dinosaur is in a picture with the letters. Somehow you're using dinosaurs associated with the learning how to read, which they have agreed that they want to be able to do, right? If they're not on board with, I want to learn how to read, then you got to, you got to back up. 
right? You got to, they need to be wanting it before you're instructing on how to do it. Important step. And then F, fun for your kid. We always want to be having fun and learning should be fun. That's what develops that love of learning, that lifelong learner. We want that and having fun with them. So when it's individualized, it's fun for them. You brought in those dinosaurs that they're interested in. That's fun for them. Another kid would look at that and go, dinosaurs, really? It would not be fun for them. You would not do that activity because when you can individualize, it's fun for the kid you've individualized it for. You've got that one child in mind. You are thinking of that one kid and you know exactly what would make them happy. You know exactly what would challenge them, what would they would love to do, what their strengths are, what their deficits are, whatever. You know them. So all of this makes it very relevant, very individualized, very fun for your child. So couple of notes. <laughs> Definitely know yourself and know your kid. If you know that right now your relationship with your child would suffer if you tried to provide the instruction or the intervention, it might not be a good idea for you and your child right now. Now, again, if, it, if you can work on that relationship that you're coming alongside them, tackling it together, it can be very beneficial. It also can be a lot cheaper than the alternative, which might be a good alternative for you, which is paying for a tutor paying for the child to attend a class that works on those things that you're trying to work with them on. Those, if you do go that route, make sure that you provide that tutor with as much information as you can about who your child is. What are their interests? What are their strengths? What are their deficits? What are they wanting to learn? What is, you know, what is your child actually interested in learning? And make sure that that you're all on that same team, you're all on board with it. Maybe you don't have the time and having a tutor is a better use of your time, especially if you've got 10 kids and you're like, I don't have time to individualize their, all of their instruction. No problem. Maybe hiring a tutor is a good solution for you. Or maybe you're, you've got it figured out on, you know, this kid teaches this one and this one teaches. I think by the time you have 10 kids, if you're homeschooling them, you probably know what you're doing. <laughs> That's my guess. I don't know. I don't have 10 children. Um, so it's an option. And also know that as I've, as I've been mentioning at home intervention is highly effective for homeschool kids. All of their instruction is at home or in specialized classes that they've signed up for. But it's also really good for traditionally schooled kids, those kids that are in a public school or even in a private school that are struggling. Yes, you can hire a tutor, but that tutor is going to come to your house or meet online for 30 to 60 minutes a day, once or twice a week. Now think about what we were talking about before and what I've said numerous times on this podcast. How, does, how do children learn the best? when it's fun and engaging, and when it's tiny chunks. They can't pay attention very well for 30 minutes, 60 minutes at a time. They need those tiny chunks sprinkled throughout their day to make the most effective impact. 
They will learn and grow the fastest if they have tiny little chunks of intervention sprinkled throughout their day, all day, every day. And you, as the person they spend the most time with, have the ability to provide that. So if you do go with a tutor, find out from the tutor what you can do to support them and then make sure your kid is on board with you doing those things with them and supporting them. Um, and that they understand the benefit of if we practice together, you'll make a lot more growth. You'll grow a lot faster. You know, the science says that our brains can only pay attention for up to 10 minutes at a time. And then we kind of lose focus. We learn better when we're doing little bits throughout the day. Best, best time to learn, scientifically best time to learn, right before bed. If you want your kid to remember something, teach it to them right before bed. Like the last thing they think about before they hit the pillow, A says ah. 